be simply me, no matter what, nothing else matters. The podcast for personal inspiration, being you again and we much more, simply you, no matter what, nothing else matters. Scott Hampton has 29 years experience in and with the foster care and criminal justice systems. Hello, hello everybody to my podcast, Be Simply Me. And today I'm totally thrilled because it's my first guest. It's Scott. Scott, please. Who are you? My name is Scott Hampton. Um, I live in the United States. I'm 42. I work in a packaging facility um, for for my job. So when I was a baby, um, I was put up for adoption. And for some reason, you know, I, I, I didn't get adopted. So the journey began um, in, in foster homes um, here in the United States. And that journey into into foster care was was something that um it was confusing i guess different morals different values um of of you know the different homes um that you live in it's uh it's quite quite weird and confusing growing up um as a child so at the age of 5 i met my mother for the first time and um w- probably within a few weeks i was placed in intensive care unit by her husband um at the hospital you're familiar with icu correct is that a term? Intensive care unit is um, something that is referred to over in the United States as fighting for your life. You're you're on the last straw of your life, and that's why they call it the intensive care unit. That's where you go when you're about to die. Um, so I, I was physically beaten by my mom's husband uh, at the age of five, and I was I was then removed and placed into more foster homes. You know, here we go, different morals, different values. I'm acting out. You know, I'm setting fires. Um, you know, fighting um with uh, foster kids, and you know, being really bad. So, you know, in those foster homes. I was in the foster homes, and then at the age of seven, I was placed back with my mother. In the United States, they have what's called the reunification process, where as long as the parent or parents are going to their classes, um, like parenting classes, uh, anger management classes, whatever classes, then they would be able to get the child back after that after those classes are completed. So she completed the classes and told um, Children's Services that she wasn't with her husband anymore and um, she wasn't on the drugs. So I went back. Well, here Gary comes and puts me right back in the ICU. So Children's Services finally terminated custody permanently and I was placed in more foster homes. I don't know why I'm laughing because it's it, it's a crazy system. The United States has a crazy system um, and it's out of control. The foster care system is, is out of control. In how many foster cares were you? I was in roughly over, um, I believe, I was in over a dozen placements. Whoa, okay. So... I'm thinking I'm thinking close towards 20. Okay. Um, but I was also in what's called residential treatment facilities which um are are operated by nonprofits but they specifically have contracts with the state. Mm-hmm. Um 
to house or school kids with behavior problems. So um, I I was in a few of those as well. And it's like jail. It's kind of like jail. They think the only way to deal with your with your problems, the only way they think to deal with your problems is what the state has taught, how the state has taught them to deal with the problem. Now they're dealing with the problem in a wrong way with the child. Um, It's a confusing situation. So at the age of 10, I was placed up for adoption again. And at that time, I was um, notified that I had a sister, an older sister, and that we were going to be adopted together. So I was was happy um, for the most part to have, you know, some family still with me. So we we go on a, a TV show called Wednesday's Child and um there's a couple they they're just now getting married. They're, you know, from divorces. They both were divorced and now they want to get together and adopt a, a girl. But they saw the both of us and was like, you know, we'll adopt both of them, keep them together. Well, that adoption didn't turn out well. Um about a year and a half after living with them, my sister was caught putting on makeup after being told not to, and they abused, physically abused both of us. Um, my sister was um, removed permanently, and I was sent back with um, the abusers. So, you know, thinking back to all the families that I lived with and now being adopted, I guess I held them responsible to make sure that I had a better life, I guess you could say. But that wasn't the case. You know, uh, I ran away a lot. Um, I disrespected them. Um, I ran the streets looking for my family. Um, I I was homeless um, at a very young age because I chose to be. I, I didn't want to be home. I didn't want to be there, you know, with the abusers. So... My journey ended me in prison. I I have over 13 years of experience with the foster care system here in the United States. And then I have 16 years experience with the criminal justice system. So I I guess you could say I have over 30 years of experience with, you know, those two bureaucracies, you know. And if you you look at the money, Americans spend $9 billion a year um, for foster care. They spend upwards, you know, of 60 to 90 billion on incarceration. You know, some numbers say that one out of every three boys that enter the foster care system um, will be incarcerated by age 19. So not only are Americans paying for um, foster care or foster kids once, they're paying for them twice because they go from the the boys and the girls they go from the 9 billion to the 90 billion so imagine a program that um basically is is in prisons and it's designed um specifically for those who were in foster care to help prevent them from getting out and producing more generation more kids um, for the foster care and criminal justice system. Um, that will in return slow down the numbers of foster kids and, um, those who are are going from that system to incarceration. And then the recidivism at which rate they will go back once they've been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So when I was locked up, when I was incarcerated, I developed that program to, to help with uh, social skills, respect, mutual respect, um, self-esteem, you know, stuff that foster youth 
foster kids and and now that they're adults they never really had um anybody to explain these things to them like um like what family morals and family values are Mm -hmm. family morals and family values are basically um the family or you know friends of the family teaching Mm -hmm. about love care respect responsibility everything that goes on in your life i guess i guess american culture has kind of drifted away from those teachings Mm -hmm. which my my program was accepted by the california department of corrections Mm-hmm. Can I ask something in between? Absolutely. After all the experience what you made, you created your own values right. or uh, the concept of love because you mentioned before. How would you define love? How would you what what would be the highest value for yourself? What's actually based on your self value and self respect and everything else? How would you define love? Love is, I guess, a feeling of acceptance. Mm-hmm. You have to feel it. You know, your 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 feeling, you know, is is within. It's not up here. It's it's within, and you'll feel it because you'll have that you'll have that tingle in your in your chest. So it's that it's that feeling of acceptance that you know I'm 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 accepted and and I'm I'm loved and. After your journey, what was actually the most aha moment in your life that you said to yourself, now I will change it and find the love within myself? That was in 2000, 2010, mm-hmm. 2009, 2010. Yeah, it, it changed. Like it, it, it was like from day to night. <laughs> Explain it more, Scott. It was something that I was watching on TV. Mm-hmm. and it was unacceptable it it was talking about the it was talking about what i what i was just sitting here talking to you about you know it was that that moment when i heard um this lady that was speaking in front of congress mm-hmm. here in the united states that the foster care system is out of control and that they can't fix it and at that moment it was like wow given the chance Given the chance, I believe that I can change a huge, huge portion of a population that that needs help and that needs to feel that love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and once they do, it, it it's like family. You know, and I'm not saying that all of them will react in that manner, but a good portion of the ones um, I, I believe will once they once they feel that someone cares. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've gone their whole life with with no one to care. Mm-hmm. And it's you the know? feeling of caring what is actually a basic, a basic value. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. it definitely should be. Yes. It's it's an empathy thing. It's mm-hmm. it's not sympathy. It's it's empathy, mm-hmm. you know. And and if you and if you teach empathy, which is in my is in my program, you know, it's understanding why someone is the way that they are. You know, yes. But we have to have the willingness to, um, and I, I, I put an emphasis on willingness. You know, as human beings, we have to have the willingness to accept everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the willingness to go to the other person and open up for their world. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. 
I would love to hear more about your program, Scott. So the, the program was developed um, in 2009, 2010 by me. Mm-hmm. It helps former foster youth with self-esteem, like I said, social skills, um, mutual respect. My my mission um, is the program has a mission, purpose, and a goal statement. Mm-hmm. I'll get to that. I'll get to the reason why here in a minute. So, the mission of moving forward is um, that I I'm dedicated um, to improving the lives of current and former foster youth mm-hmm. through inspiration, encouragement, guidance, and education. So I kind of like had to understand those words of inspiration, encouragement, guidance, and education. Mm-hmm. And they're in order for a reason. Mm-hmm. Inspiration, what does inspiration mean? You know, I, I, it means to me that in order for me to be inspired, I can't just be in, in one environment. Mm-hmm. I, I have to go places, do things, see stuff, learn stuff for me to be inspired, just like everybody else. I mean, yeah, you have the internet, but it, it has to be a physical, a physical thing. So to inspire, you have to take someone out and take someone out of their realm to show them what else is out there mm-hmm. to, to be able to inspire. Once you inspire, then you can, you can encourage to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, I think you should do it better, but to just say, hey, you know, what are you doing? Oh, that's pretty cool, you know. Um, so once you encourage, you can guide. How can I, after you've inspired, after you've encouraged, now you have to be able to guide. Mm-hmm. And then obviously education. Here in the United States, almost 90% of the states um, allow for um, youth that are going out of the system to basically get um, a, a Pell Grant. And that Pell Grant is um, in $5,000 increments to go to school. Mm-hmm. So they pay for your schooling. If you've been in the foster care system, my, my goal is to, to, the mission is to get, is to inspire, encourage, guide, and educate. The purpose is to reduce incarceration, obviously, homelessness, and substance abuse of current former foster youth. Mm-hmm. So... My intended goal is to assist in making the transition from incarcerated and or aged out person to a productive, self-sufficient member of a community. Mm -hmm. So you have the program and then you have what's after the program. My vision, if I I were a millionaire, I guess you could say, um, I would get a chunk of, you know, a a nice land, a a nice chunk of land. Mm -hmm. And put um, shipping container houses on that property and then put um, something that could make the guys that are and women that are getting out of prison a job, which would be something like a fish farm. So all the proceeds from the fish farm would go towards everybody's pay. You know, the, the, the company wouldn't receive any of that funding or any of that, any of those proceeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fish would be all donated. So it's a far fetch from here that I got to take baby steps first because I'm, I'm just now getting the program in um, California prisons. Mm-hmm. So um, there are rules. Go ahead. Do you have a question? Yes. Because okay. what I saw or found in Austria, if the young people don't have any vision, they don't make the baby steps. 
Right. I don't know. It's like, I'm just curious. What was actually your biggest dream as a child? I actually wanted to be a sheriff. No. Okay. <laughs> right. You, you saw it some like in a TV show or something like that because of a sheriff? Well, what, 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 was, what is the value of a sherry? What was so interesting for you? Well, um, it was, uh, I rode along with one a couple times mm -hmm. and I, I kind of liked it, you know, and I was a kid. So mm -hmm. okay. that was, that was basically the, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was, I think it was just the ride along with them. Yes. Okay. It's for me so interesting because um, I was thinking when you were talking about the foster care, We also have in, in Austria, it's, yeah, it's like a system, but I think it's like in the U.S., it's just you have way much more people than we have in Austria. And do you actually have kind of numbers? How many foster kids do you have in, in America? Um, there's roughly, what is it? Um, let, me get the, let me get the exact number. No worries. Just only estimate uh Because when, when you were talking about it, I was like wondering, are there so many foster children in the States? Okay, so that's what I thought. You know, they say the numbers went down, so I just wanted to verify. Okay. Um, but it's, it's 400,000 children. Okay. Yeah. In foster care. Okay. That's um, a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a lot. Now... If you look at when, you know, foster care first started and like, and like it started way before, but the actual foster care term, like when they started like foster homes and stuff mm -hmm. like that was like in the 1950s. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so if you think about all the foster youth that wound up incarcerated from the 1950s up until now. Every year, there's a new number added to the prison system because they're they're aging out and they're going they're going to prison, going to prison, going to prison. Mm -hmm. If you look at how I don't know how many, but that's that'd be a lot of people, and that'd be that'd be a pretty large percentage of um, the the prison system since the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Whoa, 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 whoa! So you have actually a lot to do. Yeah. So what is the foster care system like there in Austria? I'm curious. Well, actually, it's, it's um, as I, I'm not, you know, totally involved in it. But what I heard is that um, we have like also families where you can take children when they were uh, neglected and we, um, that they can take care of them till they get adopted. But I th I'm, I'm not so involved in it, and, and I didn't check the, uh, the, um, the data uh, before we had the interview. But um, what I found out is that we have like um, a youth center where they, when they get any information that their children don't get uh, the attention, what they actually need for a good growth, that they uh, come into the families and that they help the families in, in the family system. And if it's not possible, they just take it out. But we don't have so many foster cares, at least not what I'm aware of. Uh, but we have like uh, helpers who are going directly into the families and help them when it's when the the family for whatever reason are too, you know, when it's too much for them. But we have a lot of uh, women shelters 
and especially in COVID-19, uh, the um, domestic violence raised. I think it was probably the same in the States as well. And most of the time, children are involved in it. But in Austria, we are, you know, compared to, to the States, we are small. We have 8 million people, so we are really small. But still, in my opinion, it becomes a um, bigger, um, more bigger um, problem, even in the future, as many people have no idea about what security is, what caring is, what loving is, actually, because they are working way too much, they are way too much stress. And we saw it in Austria in, um, re regarding the, the times of crisis in the COVID time, that the, the people got more depressed. Um, and also a lot of violence raised, and also they were way too much um, aggressive, but that's, that's in the COVID time. But let's go back to your program. Um, okay. You said in, in, the, in California, they, they uh, accept your program. Yes. What is actually the state at the moment? What are the, the next steps for your program? Okay, so I have to... Um what are what are the prison what's the prison system like there in austria Ooh, you ask me questions i have no idea because you don't know okay okay yeah. that you don't have to i mean i understand that that's not your that's not your field and that's not you know what i mean so i totally i totally get it um, for, me, for me it was really interesting to have you as my first guest because your story is something what i know that it's globally a huge topic yes but i'm not directly involved but okay. I, my deepest belief is that no person on this planet is evil. Uh -huh. It's only because of their story, what they had in, as child. That's my uh -huh. deepest belief. And um, as you said, it, it always depends which kind of values you get since childhood. It forms your identity and your character. And I truly believe, and I'm totally excited that you have your own program and supporting other foster children and youth. because. In my opinion, every single person um, has, is allowed to have a second chance. Because when I, when I had my studies, I helped in a, in a healthcare center with very uh, low threshold. And we, we visit uh, like places where people were homeless. And I talked with those people. And no one out there wants to be homeless. No one out there wants to get beaten. No one out wants to really get, you know, a criminal. I think no one as child want to say, I want to become a criminal. It's only because the surrounding what they have, that's what, how did they get there. That's why I was asking was what your biggest dreams and, and also the basic of your value, because that's caring and loving is for me the, the basic value that, that a person can blossom up and really live their life. Absolutely. So yeah, the, the program was accepted by the California Department of Corrections. So mm -hmm. it's actually going to be um, in, a, in, in a prison, which was my intended. That's where I wanted. I want it in every, I want former foster youth to be recognized in every single prison system in this country mm -hmm. and globally. Mm -hmm. And globally, you know, it's in every, in almost every prison in the United States allows for what's called um, an inmate group or um, inmate leisure time activity. Mm -hmm. So what can happen is 
those guys and women that are incarcerated, they can get together and form a board of directors mm -hmm. and start an actual group, be a family within the institution. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. But um, on a business level. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if they form the board of directors and they have an outside source, like, um, like who I'm working with, um, I'm working with, we lift LA. Um, they are the outside source. Mm -hmm. So here it is a guy, a guy from Ohio contacting a, a nonprofit in, in Los Angeles, you know, 2000 miles away, um, saying, Hey, you know, I have a document from the California Senate office saying mm -hmm. that former foster youth can be recognized in prison. Here goes this curriculum. How can we get it proposed to California Department of Corrections? Joyce Harmon, the founder, has been an awesome, um, an awesome lady to work with. She appointed her um, her whole team of uh, board of directors to to get this proposal together and actually send it in, and it was accepted. So I'm also working with um, a company. I can't really say. I can't really say the name of the company right now um, mm -hmm. because it's at the beginning phase. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I can. I'll say it's, um, they're called Star Commonwealth. Okay. They're, um, they're a residential treatment facility. And um, I talked with their whole board, their revenue, they're a big uh, company. So they want to try to work with me here in Ohio and then possibly try to do something in Michigan. So I'm potentially looking at one, two, three, at least three states mm -hmm. within the next within the next couple of years. Um, one for sure being in. How when someone listen to this podcast because we will share it to a lot of people. How can they reach you and support you with your program? <laughs> like I said before, my name is Scott Hampton. Um, I I can be reached at scott.movingforward at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. um, I can also be found on Facebook, um, foster care to prison pipeline moving forward. And then I can be reached also on Facebook by just Scott Hampton. I will share all your contact details anyway with the podcast and that they can contact you, that they can support you. Because in my opinion, as you said, it should be globally that the foster yes. children should be recognized not only in prison, by the way, in my opinion, everywhere. Right. And give them a smile, give them a place where they know that they can be talking. Sometimes talking is, you know, just be there. I experienced it with homeless people. And sometimes you can change, change it when you just be there, isn't it? You know, it kills me that whenever, whenever a youth um, in the United States that's in foster care does something wrong mm -hmm. or acts out. There's rules that foster parents have to follow and that's picking up the phone and calling the police. Obviously there's something wrong with the child. There's mm -hmm. something, there's something wrong and nobody's like you just said, nobody's listening. Mm -hmm. Right. We'll go back on, um, childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Childhood trauma is the gateway drug. 
marijuana, cigarettes, alcohol. No, that those aren't gateway drugs. Childhood trauma is the gateway drug. You know, imagine imagine a hotline or something where um, if a if a foster kid is acting out, the cops are called. Imagine a hotline or something that the police can call with the kid and be able to talk about what's going on instead of their, instead of it just being their fault. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It just throws something out there because there's no, there's no middle person. It's the caseworker, but the caseworker doesn't, they don't have time for that. They're, they're at work all day and then they just, they don't care about what happens to you at night. I'll get to you in the morning. I'll come get you in the morning. They don't spend that time and have those conversations because they don't get it because they weren't foster kids. Mm -hmm. They weren't, they weren't in foster care. So they have no clue, Mm -hmm. you know, but some are great. Some are great. Some will talk, but they won't talk after hours. You know, it's always about business hours, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that, that um, I would love to change about the foster care system about the adoption process. That's what I, that's the next question. What would you change? <laughs> because what I see in Austria, I'm in the middle of uh, writing a totally new healthcare system. Uh-huh. And um, I always said when I had three burnouts and I was highly suicide, I always said no one knows what it is when you don't experience at your own. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would change a lot about the healthcare system, especially how you see burnout, how you see suicide, because I experienced and I was so close to kill myself. Oh. And that's why I wanted to have you in the show, because you give a point of view out of experience about foster. So what would you change, not only in the US, but maybe globally, maybe you ex- if just only because of your own story that what, what would you change from the system? Not on, as you said, the adoption process, but also the, the foster care system. What would you change? I would change the attitudes of um, foster parents mm-hmm. because, and adoptive parents, because it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you like that kid or you love that kid. It matters if that kid likes or loves you. So, so you have to get that kid to like you or love you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, that kid doesn't care about anything but himself and the love that he needs or she needs. That's it. That's it. It's about being cool enough to that kid in his eyes for him to like you or for her to like you or to love you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't go and change. You can't change anybody. You can guide them in a, in a way that they can't see, but you can't tell them what to do or how to do it. You've got to show them, you know, and the, 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 the social workers, the social workers need to spend um, more time doing like activities and going places and doing things, but they don't have time. So, okay, you develop a, a mentoring within your company, mm-hmm. they need to take them out and do things with them and, and it not be the foster parents. The foster care system has to take responsibility for doing things and showing them what's out there. Not the foster parents. The foster parents could go or they could be part of it, 
you know, get them around other foster kids, you know, have a place where all the foster parents or most of the foster parents meet up once a week somewhere to do something all paid for by the, the children's service agency, make them feel and, and you know, the kid, the kid has to like the caseworker too. That's a major part of it. You know, adopted parents, you know, if like, we'll take my case, for example, my, my adopted parents were um, previously divorced, both of them. Mm-hmm. Children's services never really looked into why, what happened, you know, whose fault was it for the divorce? Like who's claiming that, you know, and then look into it and then have them do a mental health evaluation based on what you found Mm -hmm. to see if they're capable of caring for that child. Mm -hmm. Come to find out my adopted mother was married to a guy that controlled her Mm -hmm. and constantly yelled at her. Mm -hmm and beat her down mentally, he was on the receiving end of the abuse as well. Mm-hmm. The adopted dad, she was controlling, whatever. So hold on, wait a minute here, wait a minute. These two got together, and within, within months of living there, she was controlling him, telling him what to do, yelling, fighting with him, If he would scratch his head at the dinner table, she would just flip off. Okay. Like she would go, she'd start yelling, get up. Uh, It was crazy. So they have to look into, if I had my way in the United States, you would not be able to adopt a child unless you've been married for at least five years. So no new couples getting married. Mm -hmm. From my experience, when I ran my program in prison, I had more guys that were adopted in my program than I had the guys that aged out on their own. If you Google, if you Google child, child deaths by adopted parents in the United States, your jaw will drop. Okay. Here. Hey Siri. Number of child deaths from adoption. Okay, I found this on the web for number of child deaths from adoption. Check it out. Here, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's a lot. I I I, I personally saw it. Um, I know the podcast is going on, but if I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, I I think Putin stopped um, adoptions coming from his country because the alarming amount of adoption deaths mm-hmm. from his country to America. Yeah. Yeah. So if everybody is anybody out there who is interested in it, just Google on your own. I'm, I never thought about it. So I will do it on my own only for checking it. And uh, that, that's, that's terrible. That's just. If, if you Google, um, if you Google another item, um, it, it would be how many former foster youth are on death row? Mm-hmm. 80%. Mm-hmm. 80%. But then, 80% of people on death row in the United States, on death row, ready to be killed, are from the foster care system. Mm-hmm. That hurts me. Why? Now, that is a pandemic. That's the pandemic. Yes. That's one, one bigger one. That's COVID is nothing against anything like this. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, that's, that's a pandemic. You know, 
I'm not putting one over the other, but yeah, it's, um, it, it breaks my heart and it tears me down, you know, and I, I wake up every morning. I go to sleep every night. I I'm at work. I'm thinking about ways that, um, that I can, you know, get this started and, and be, be a global, you know, speaker for, you know, youth that have gone through the foster care system and are, are facing those times of, of whatever they're going through and, and, uh, you know, reaching those ones individuals that are um, in the prisons. Now, as far as the prison group, once they're assembled, um, they will be allowed to um, have guest speakers come into the prison okay. and, and talk to general population. Um, they can have banquets um, where they, you know, where they feed all their members, um, really good food, not prison food, and they would be allowed to do fundraising. Mm-hmm. Now you said, I said earlier, if I was a millionaire, this is what I would do. Right. So if you, if this group is allowed to do fundraising, they're allowed to do fundraising. Okay which they are in almost every state, the fundraiser would make at the very minimum like $4,000, but you're allowed three of those a year. Mm-hmm. So that's $12,000 at the very minimum for one prison. So if you have 10 prisons within that state that the group is in, you went from 12000 to 120000 So where that money comes from is, is from inmates' books, what they have on their account. They're, I'm providing a service to them that they necessarily wouldn't be able to get within prison walls, mm-hmm. like a drippy cheeseburger or a hat or a pair of shorts or a big apple pie, you know, something of those sorts. So they fill out the cash slip, and it's taken off their account and put into moving forward's account. And we lift LA's account. Go ahead. I only hear and see that this is definitely your topic. You have to definitely speak <laughs> out there globally. And yeah. everybody who is listening now, please support Scott and his mission and also the foster children. And there is the la- only one last question I have. What is your number one quote to be simply you? Number one quote? Yes. <laughs> It's funny you ask me that because I say it all the time. Um, Yesterday and tomorrow, they don't exist. Reality is now. Yes. In my opinion, that's one of the best quotes, not only for us both, but for everybody out there, because a lot of people are in the past, a lot of people are in the future, and I don't see a lot of people who are living right (laughs) in the moment. So it's beautiful, beautiful. Scott, I highly appreciate you. Please go on your path. Please go on your passion because there are a lot of children out there who need uh, a voice. Right. Good. And and also be seen that there is a change out there. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who would love to have a child to take care of, to love. But this registration and i also know in austria the adoption um, path is really very complicated and if we make it a little bit more easier that the right people come together and the children are allowed to choose that would be mm. beautiful mm. thank you very much. 
for your time. Absolutely. I will give all your contact details to the podcast. Thank you very much, everybody who is listening. Please spread the podcast so that the mission of Scott will go globally. And one day, you never know. If you need something, just say it and we will help together. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. You simply are more than you think, but feel, see, hear, and know.